Welcome to Seven Parak Gidon, who has been named Yerubal because of his courageous decision to fight against Baal. That's the responsibility he showed upon being appointed to a position of authority by the angel. Rash says his Pinchas, his conversation with Hashem. He's been empowered with these two signs. He gathers an army. The army initially numbers 32,000 people to fight against Midian. Hashem says, no, that's too many. He has to reduce them. Okay, so he reduces the army. He says anyone is afraid they should return home. And there's 10,000 people who are left. It's a good-sized army. It's not 32,000 people, but it's, it's 10,000. Hashem now tells Gideon, no, no, you have to reduce it further. Gideon takes the army down to a river. Those who bent down towards the water, they are sent home. If you're drinking because you bend down towards the water, you're sent home. Why? So there's two opinions, the Rashi and Radak, two main opinions, either because it's a sign they had bowed down to idols or because it's general laziness. Gideon is again in needing needing of assurance that they're going to win the war. Uh, And he's told, go to the edge of the enemy uh, enemy camp, see what you can hear. Uh, And he hears that an enemy soldier has a dream or at least reports the dream. This is a rolling cake or a barley, uh, kind of a roasted barley thing, flattening the Midianite camp. That Gideon Gideon, Gideon, takes as a sign that he's going to be victorious in war. Indeed, uh, he then uh, invades the camp. Uh, there's 300 men who are running towards the camp. They blow chauffeurs, Rashi says, to call on the merit, merit of Matan Torah. Um, and they also break jugs, jugs. They're holding torches. It's very frightening. And the Midnights run away. Um, they are uh, joined, or at least they're pursued by the people in the army, various other tribes. And Gideon calls everyone to join in. And the tribe of Ephraim then join in and pursue the enemy as well. We're going to see in the next parak that Ephraim complain about this. About this, Just one, one message, which I think is quite appropriate, is the message, message of convictions in general. Um, Avram and Terach, if you go way back when, talking about smashing idols, and there are certain parallels over here, the courage and convictions. Um, the Ralbag brings a parallel between this and, and Eliol in Harakarmal, certain vocab which is used in common, the Ralbag points out. Um, but nevertheless, Avram also had the conviction to smash idols. Avram had convictions. Terach had the convictions to, to send Avram to Nimrod to have him put in the fire. There was one person who didn't have conviction, and that is Haran, Avram's younger brother. Rashi comments that when Avram was being thrown in the furnace, Haran hedged his bets. He said, if Avram comes out alive, I'll be with him. But if not, I'll be, uh, I'll be with Terach. I'll be with Nimrod. Haran sees Avram survives, and he goes into the fire, and he dies. Because Haran was, in our parlance, like an also ran. In other words, it was, uh, whatever Avram did, I'll follow. He didn't have his own convictions. That was a problem. Avram has convictions. Terach Lahavdal, even for bad, has his convictions. The Medrash actually says he repented. Because once you've chosen a course, if it's proved wrong, you'll choose a different course. But if you're always hedging your bets, if you're never committing, no convictions, that, that's a problem. Then you're not choosing anything. You're just trying to be everything. And you end up being nothing.